Hello and welcome to a special edition of our show, Herstory on the Rocks with Katie and Allie. So normally it would just be Allie and I hanging out, having cocktails and talking about famous women in history. But sometimes we like to talk to women who are currently making history or writing about it. We have a very special guest here today, Tina Ignoski. Did I say that right? Okay. <laughs> Tina Ignoski, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Katie and Allie for having me. Tina has been an author and a poet since she was in her teenage years, and in 2020, she just rocked the house, wrote two new, or published two new books, Burn Down This World, and You Can Tell Me Anything, and we're here today to talk about Burn Down This World. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a native Floridian, and even though I haven't lived in that state, most of my work is still set there. I seem to have really um, developed this kind of um, close relationship with the landscape of Florida. So even though I now live in New England, I tend to write about that area a lot. And I am currently writing a lot of fiction that is based around authors that either have some relationship with Florida or... um, maybe moved there later in life and are, are, and are writing about the cultural of Florida. So I also um, am a creative workshop leader. So I'm currently teaching online creative workshops. And also my newest creative endeavor is paper making and book binding. Wow. Book binding. <laughs> That's so cool. I love seeing those videos of it online. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I kind of joke that um, not only can I fill the books, you know, with words, I can actually make the pages and then I can bind the pages together. Oh my gosh, soup to nuts, everything. Yeah, yeah. I can't do either. Yeah. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, before we get into Burn Down This World, we have a cocktail that we made for your book. So Allie, what are we drinking tonight? So we obviously named the cocktail after your book, and it is an ounce and a half of bourbon and an ounce of orange liqueur, a half an ounce of sweet vermouth, a half an ounce of lemon (laughs) juice, some tonic water, and then cherry and a lemon peel. And I looked up a lot of mixtures between Vietnam War protest drinks and like 1990s fads. <laughs> and combined them. So cheers. Great. I love that. <laughs> cheers. Mm. It's very strong, but very good. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and when we're done, we'll send you the picture and the recipe and all that stuff. Sounds good. Thanks. So we want to start by setting the scene for your main character. So Celeste is in a very relatable situation in her life for the everyday woman. She's living in the late 1990s. Can you tell us a little bit about her and set the scene for what's happening in her life? Sure, sure. She is, first of all, I want to say she's truly a fictional character. I didn't really base her on anyone. I wanted to present a character who had a struggling relationship with a sibling, and in this case, her brother. And I also wanted to make her from a military family because her and her brother are coming of age in the turbulent 60s. And having them come from a military family kind of shows the generational dynamics between 
what her and her brother are doing, which is uh, being active in the Vietnam War protest, and then having a father who's in the Air Force, and they're continually butting heads about that. And I, I kind of see her as a character who is very smart, but she doesn't really believe she's smart because she didn't finish college. She's a little bit sarcastic. She has a son who's 14, and he also has a streak of sarcasm. She's also dealing with uh, a mother who has dementia. And in the, the present tense of the story, she is also dealing with the fact that her brother, who, who has been estranged from her for about 25 years, has come back into her life and wants to reconcile and have a relationship with her. This was, it was a really interesting dynamic for me to read. So I was a teenager in the nineties and watched my mom take care of her parents who were older. So it was like very easy to read because I could just kind of place myself right in that story. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I also did want to ask you about that because we kind of get this feeling in the beginning. I mean, you have Celeste at home kind of taking on the family burden and her brother is just off traveling the world. Did you want this to be kind of like a classic gender dynamic? Or do you think that that is just, there's always that one person in the family that seems to get out of doing all the rough things? I think it's a combination. I think definitely I wanted to explore the gender dynamics of what was expected in their family from her versus what was expected from him. So I think her parents think she's just going to grow up and have a very traditional life. While they encourage her to go to college, I think when she finally um, drops out or, in this case, is expelled, they don't really expect her to do anything else except for come home, get married, and have children. Whereas they'll do almost anything for her brother, Reed, to make sure that he stays in school, that he doesn't get drafted into the Vietnam War, So there definitely is a gender, you know, dynamic going on there. And I also wanted to present them as siblings who had a really close relationship when they were younger that gets torn apart during the the protests that they participate in on campus. And that really causes a rift between them and their family. And, you know, she, she returns home after these events that take place and, he goes out into the world and he becomes a famous poet. And so it definitely is kind of about who takes responsibility for what in a family, who gets to escape, who has to come home, issues like that. Mm. And this being, you know, when they're coming of age in this military family, can we all, can we talk kind of about the the situation at the University of Florida? Because this book kind of takes you between the the middle-aged woman who's dealing with all the pressures of middle-aged womanhood and it takes you back to this pivotal moment in her life. Can can you set the scene for that portion of her life earlier on? Sure, sure. Just to kind of talk about the structure a little bit, the the book is what's called a braided narrative. So as you say, there are two narratives. One is in the past, and it's the year that Celeste and Reed are in college together and are participating in Vietnam War protests. And then the other narrative is in the present, when he comes back into her life 20 
six years later, and it's it's the late 90s by then, and, and they try to have a relationship. So what I really wanted to do was, you know, make sure that they had enough space between them um, in terms of, you know, birth, birth order so that, you know, they were about three years apart. So they would overlap for one year at college. And when she comes to college, he's a senior and she is a freshman. So she's just starting out. She has all these high-minded ideas about what college is going to be like, what joining her brother in the Vietnam protest is going to be like. And she's also a little bit naive. Um, and so she, she falls in with Reed and his, his group of friends that he's um, living in a house with. And she just kind of begins to explore who she is, what she wants out of life. Um, there's another character named Billy, who's also a senior and kind of reads on again, off again, girlfriend. And she acts as a bit of a mirror because she's very, um, she's very out there and she's definitely much more sexually active than Celeste is at the beginning. She's much more into the Vietnam War protest than Celeste is. She's kind of just one of the guys and she becomes a bit of a, um, you know, maybe an example or a leader for Celeste to kind of figure out, you know, what kind of young woman she wants to be. And I do think one of the things that really hit home for me is the age difference between them, because I have three older brothers, but the one that's directly above me, we're that same age gap. So when I was a freshman in high school, he was a senior. And I do feel like there's just this classic relationship of like, I want to be just like my older brother. And then when you kind of get to that situation, like, wow, this is not what I thought it would be. And my older brother too, like, you know, when I was getting into college, he left and hiked the Appalachian Trail. And it kind of feels like, oh, I'm the one that has to be like the bigger sibling. Do you think that that's one of the also the dynamics between them that Celeste feels the burden of being the older sibling? I do think she does, especially during the teenage years, um, because they, because they were a military family, they moved around a lot. And so they were very close when they were younger, but once they settle in Florida and he begins to, um, have different views than especially his father, she kind of becomes the person that her father turns to. He thinks of her as his pumpkin and, you know, she can do no wrong in his eyes, but Reed, he does everything wrong. So I think that that's, that's definitely true that she then feels like she has to fill a void as Reed is pulling away from the family. Mm. And it, it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful way that it's written because sibling dynamics, they, they add another level of love that you don't necessarily get from parents or from a romantic partner or from a best friend. It's like this unbreakable bond that is so often shattered. <laughs> so, um, what did, I think, what did you think was like more on the, the forefront of the writing? Was it her grappling with her relationship with her brother or was it her grappling with her relationship with herself? Yeah. Again, it's, it's one of those, uh, answers that's both, both things really. Um, she definitely, during the, the years that she's in college with him, 
she, while she's involved with him and, and hanging out with his group of friends, she also wants to find her own place, like where she fits in as a young woman. And she begins going to consciousness raising groups. And so trying to figure out, you know, her place. And at the same time, she really wants to kind of figure out who she is in relation to him. You know, what, what is he good at that maybe she could be good at? At the same time, she thinks, well, he's he's good at writing. I don't know that that's what I'll pursue. So it's a little bit of, of both things. In the present tense narrative, I think she definitely is struggling with wanting to become a separate person from him altogether. I mean, she really has tried for the last 25 years of her life to separate herself as much as she can from him. And he's done it with the physical distance because they're estranged and he rarely comes to visit the family. And she's trying to do it in trying to figure out what career she's going to pursue and having children. He doesn't have children in being a married woman, but then being divorced, which in her family is not, you know, something that's ideal. So again, I think it, it is both of those things. Yeah. And uh, we, we talk to a lot of authors who write, you know, historical fiction. So like based on real characters and real time frames, but this one is fictional people, but in very real times. So what did you want people to learn about these two very distinct time periods? Because you have the Vietnam War, but then you also have these, I believe they're wildfires in Florida that are happening in the 90s. So what did you want people to learn that they may not have thought of when thinking about these two different time periods? Well, I definitely wanted to to use the backdrop of, of 1998 when the, the wildfires in Florida were happening, partly because it, it forces the narrative. I mean, this is kind of a technical thing that writers think about. How can you kind of up the stakes? And so in the current narrative, they're all living in the midst of these wildfires that are springing up around them. And it kind of makes you feel the whole time just a little bit, you know, on edge because at any minute the fires could start in their town and what would happen. Um, And it just so happens that my mother lived in Florida then and lived in that same area. And um, she had to evacuate, evacuate like a lot of people. So I kind of wanted to use that as um, a metaphor and also as a bit of a narrative strategy. And in terms of um, the past, really what I did was I decided to use events that actually happened. I went back to the, the archives at the University of Florida and I did research and I read all the student newspapers and I looked at all the yearbooks and I decided while the characters weren't based on real life, I wanted to actually take events that happened and then put my characters in that situation. So the protests that took place in the spring of 71 are actual protests that took place over three years. And I read all the articles and I, I just used the characters to recreate them. There's another scene in the book where Betty Friedan comes to campus and Betty Friedan is the author of The Feminist Mystique. And I, you know, I wasn't there, so I didn't experience it, but I decided to put Billy and Celeste in that room and just to see what happens. And that was really, really fun to do. 
So, so many people that, that were on campus that year. Um, I, when I was going through the archives, it was really fun to see people like poet Allen Ginsberg was there, the, set, the Senator John Kerry was there. And so, you know, I wanted to just kind of bring that to life. Like, what was it like, you know, to live in this one place in the early 70s and experience everything that was going on? Yeah. And as we talk about the character's relationship with the world, how did your relationship with the characters change? Was there anything that like when you're writing Celeste that you were like, this is a character trait that I'm definitely set on and this is something I want to get away from. And then kind of the same with Reed. Mm. I think the hardest part was not making Reed a villain. You know, I really, he could easily be misinterpreted as just a bad guy who did, you know, not great things that spoiled his relationship with his sister. So I worked really hard to also make him sympathetic and to give him, you know, a reason for his actions. And the reason may not be um, rational, but it, it was a decision that he made at the time for whatever reasons. And in terms of Celeste, um, I, I think for her, I kind of did channel a little bit of my own, like, hippiness. You know, I, I'm, I'm certainly younger than her. And I actually attended the University of Florida, but but 10 years after these events. And I kind of, you know, feel like in my heart, I'm, I'm like a 70s girl. And, you know, I like um, all the, the hippie clothes. And so I, but I also didn't want to make her a caricature of just, you know, a hippie. So I, I worked really hard to make her a real person who was butting up against um, a lot of cultural change and a lot of personal change at the same time. Yeah. Cause that is one thing that I like about their relationship is they both kind of have that sixties mentality, you know, and there's like, she's like working for a solar energy company and, and he's like, Oh, like I approve of that. And then she's like, and I got excited about that. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I don't care what he thinks. Like he's just my idiot brother. <laughs> there's just still that kind of push and pull of like, yeah, even though we took different paths, like we still have the same, you know, mentality. But, you know, you just went to Tibet and we're mourning, you know, Allen Ginsberg death. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I would really like to get into the writing process of the book. So where did you start when you began? Did you start with the time period, the characters? You know, what, where did you start in this journey? Well, I knew I wanted to write about the brother and sister, and I knew that I wanted them to be from a military family, and I knew that I wanted them to be coming of age at this crucial time in American history. So I, I had that information set. I just wasn't sure where exactly all this was going to take place and how this relationship was going to unfold. And as I said, I, I went to the University of Florida. And while I was there, I worked for a time in the archives. And I discovered while I was there, this picture of Jane Fonda, who came to speak on campus in January of 1970. And that picture always stayed in my mind. I just, you know, was very entranced by this image of her standing there and all the students 
around her and even they were hanging out of dorm windows. And so those, that image kind of came back to me when I was thinking about the characters and the time frame they, they lived in. So I decided to find out what that was all about. And so I went back to the University of Florida and back to the archives and kind of discovered this, um, this history that I really didn't know about, even though I attended the school. So, you know, I just, and I just began slowly to kind of develop the characters, you know, based on this information that I knew um, about the real events. And it took me probably four-ish years off and on to write it. And I, I'm kind of a slow writer, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be writing at a good pace for a while, and then I might take a little bit of time off. But, you know, I just really kind of wanted to see what happened. Um, because I wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen with them. One of the hardest parts was writing that crucial scene where they are at the protest together and the police officer gets injured. And um, I know you've read the book and, and maybe the audience hasn't, but, um, and, and something happens after that, that, that pulls, you know, Celeste and Reed apart. And that was a really hard scene to write and to kind of figure out, you know, how that was going to happen and what was going to happen from there. But that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the impetus and that's kind of how I tried to, to push through. And really, I'm not, I'm not a planner. I know a lot of writers are planners where they plot everything out. I'm really a writer who just works intuitively and I just kind of move scene by scene by scene, you know, through the story. And it's interesting that you bring up that crucial point because I was going to say, did you feel any pressure juggling this really important historical moment with uh, fictional characters? Yeah, I did. I wanted to get it right. Um, definitely. And I wanted to do it justice. So, you know, I felt a little bit like, and, and I think the characters address this, you know, we just live in this small town of Gainesville, Florida. What, what does it mean for us to raise our voices? You know, we're not in Chicago, we're not in DC and we're not in New York city, but really there were so many protests going on all around the country that to raise your voice was was to become a part of the bigger, you know, conversation and the bigger protests. So I wanted to make sure I got that right, um, that I didn't make any historical slips and, you know, like do the, the students justice, the activists justice, as well as making sure that the, the ideas that they were trying to bring forth were understood in the narrative and, and were seen as valuable. Yeah. Cause I feel like in such chaotic scenes, sometimes the most important points can kind of slip through the cracks, unfortunately, when <laughs> trying to include it all and pick what's important. Now, right. did your research, I know that you're from Florida and you have a lot of ties there, but were you able to talk to any people who were actually there or did it take you anywhere that you didn't expect to go your research for the book? You know, I actually um, decided to not talk to people um, because I was a little bit worried about that influencing me. Mm -hmm. I think if 
Um, I think if maybe I was a planner as a writer, that might have been easier. But because I was working from this pile of research I had and moving intuitively through the narrative, I wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen. And so I was afraid if others gave me, you know, information about their experience, it would color what I was trying to do. I was able to contact through Facebook two young women who were editors um, of a quarterly that was published on campus. And I kind of talked with them back and forth a little bit. And, you know, I asked them a few questions and they answered, but it wasn't, they weren't in-depth interviews and I wasn't trying to, to base this off of either one of their experiences. One well, so interesting because we did um, Maya Lin recently on the podcast who designed the Vietnam War Memorial. And one of the things she did was she purposefully did not research the Vietnam War because she said it was so politicized that she didn't want anything to be overly influencing her, kind of like what you're saying. You know, she was like, I wanted this to be about, you know, the veterans. And like you're saying, like you wanted it to be about the characters and the story. And yeah, I just, I just think it's really interesting that <laughs> yeah. you're right. It, it is definitely politicized. And even, you know, as, as you may or may not know, you know, Jane Fonda ran into that trouble when she, you know, um, was protesting. And so, you know, I, I definitely didn't want to make that misstep and, you know, speak about something that I wasn't, you know, fully aware of. Um, and even though I read a lot of books on Vietnam, you know, I wasn't there. I, so I felt like I couldn't get too much into the politics. Right. So where can people find you? Where can they find this book? I'm sure at this point we have like tickled everyone's fancy. They yes. all want to read it. <laughs> so where can they get a hold of this? And then where can they find you? The book is published by Adelaide Books. And you can get a copy on adelaidebooks.org. You can also find it on Amazon. I have a website, which is tinaignoski.com. I'm also on Facebook, and that is at author Tina Ignoski. I have an Instagram account, which is actually kind of a combination of books that I've published and then the books that I'm making. So and the paper that I'm making also. So you can find out about all three of those things. And that is at Books, Books, Paper. listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye